That's the first time we've ever applauded the announcements. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Now, that was kind of half-hearted. Hmm. Okay, if, if I do it again, will you give it your all? You ready? Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. You know, um, 2019 is going to be an exciting year, but not nearly as exciting as 2020 promises to be. 2020 could very well be one of the, if not the most important year in the history of the world. We may just be two short years away from seeing something that no one has ever seen. You and I could very well be alive when a mile marker is achieved that could trigger a new day, a new era, a new kingdom. What is this mile marker? It is the spread of the gospel throughout the world. Just last month, uh, mission experts from around the world gathered in Mission Viejo, California to participate in what is called the Finishing the Task Conference. A couple of weeks after the conference, this letter went out, a report. Finishing the Task is delighted to report the achievement of a major milestone in the effort to fulfill Jesus' command to make disciples of every nation. At this, year, at this year's Finishing the Task conference, every remaining known, unengaged, unreached people group was adopted for gospel engagement in the coming two years. A people group is a group of people without a single known worker doing evangelism and church planting in their society. In many cases, these unengaged, unreached people groups don't have a single believer and have never had an opportunity to hear about God's love and God's forgiveness. The conference began by presenting the 343 remaining unreached people groups to those in attendance. Leaders asked the over 600 missionaries, strategists, and pastors in attendance to roll up their sleeves and spend the week pl praying, planning, and working to get laborers to each of them. When final commitments were made, organizations and churches far exceeded the faith goals of the conference and all 603 unique people group adoptions were indicated. Many people groups were adopted twice, three times, sometimes four times, increasing the likelihood of the people group receiving a team of missionaries soon or even multiple teams of missionaries. The body of Christ will now take the next steps in the work that of recruiting, training, and sending workers to these 343 groups. The commitments of these first missionaries will begin the important process of making disciples, thus hastening the day when the Apostle John's vision of a great number of people from every nation, tribe, people, and language of the earth will be standing before the throne of God. That dream will be finally realized. So this achievement has huge implications. If we were sitting in your living room in a small group, I might ask the question, what is the significance of seeing a beachhead of the gospel established in every single people group on the planet? Your answers might include, well, people will finally know that God loves them. People will hear about heaven for the first time. People will understand the meaning of grace have exposure to Scripture, have the opportunity to receive the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. 
And then after everyone had had the opportunity to, to create that list, I would like to add to that list what might be the most important reason to be excited about this report. And that is the reaching of the world with the gospel is a prerequisite for the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 14, the good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation. Then what, church? Then the end will come. Christ will come. We do not know when he will come, but we do know that the preaching of the gospel to every nation is a prerequisite for his return. So for the very first time, listen to this, for the very first time since the day of Pentecost, when the church began, for the very first time, we will enter into an era which qualifies as a season of the Lord's return. I do not know when Christ is coming back. No one does. I do not know exactly the, how to interpret the phrase preached in all the world. But we do know this. The worldwide spread of the gospel helps turn the key on the door to the new kingdom. Our Lord will not return until the gospel is spread and preached to every nation. And for the first time ever, toward the end of 2020, we have the opportunity to say the new era has begun. Are we two years away from the return of Christ again? I do not know. Quit asking me. <laughs> but supposing we are, supposing we are, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel to think that, my goodness, I could be standing on the earth the day that the skies open up, the trumpet blasts, and the angels descend, and Jesus Christ comes to rescue his church? That could happen. It's going to happen in some generation. It could happen in ours. It could happen as soon as 2020. Everyone else in our country during the year 2020 is going to be focused on something else. Donkeys and elephants. <laughs> and the next occupant of the White House. But it could very well be that in the great scheme of history, the inauguration of the next president matters far less than what, something else that could happen in 2020, and that is the inauguration of the new kingdom. Again, I do not know for sure. Do not text your grandmother and tell her that Lakato <laughs> forecasted the return of Christ. But you can text your grandmother and tell her that Lakato urged us to lift up our eyes and look into the future and live like Christ is coming because we believe he is. Thinking that Christ could come next year, what does that make you want to do? How does it make you want to think? How does it make you want to manage your money, your talents, your time, your skills? How does it change the way you view this year, 2019? I can think of a couple of good questions to ask at this point. How does the imminent return of Christ impact our church? How does the imminent return of Christ impact the Oak Hills Church? 2019 is the first year of what we're calling our harvest vision. If you're new to Oak Hills or you're visiting Oak Hills, or if you have a, a short memory like I do, you might... 
need a reminder of what we're doing, what we're about. Last September, we began a process of turning all of our campuses into churches. I shared with you this paragraph as representing the leaders. We sense that God is calling the Oak Hills Church to pursue a focused and deliberate strategy to plant churches in the San Antonio and Hill Country area, starting with the release and planting of our existing congregations. Our target date is August 31st, 2021. By this date, each campus will either be an independent church or a declared mission of the Oak Hills Church. So we began this transition from one church on many campuses to a family of independent churches. We envision this family of churches, which we share a common history, common values, in some cases, common services, but linked by our history, yet released to pursue the expansion of the church and development of the church as seems right for that particular community. This only made sense. After several years, we've realized that our campuses are becoming self-sufficient. They're appointing their own leaders. They're making good decisions. Many of them are meeting, even exceeding their budgets. They have the capacity. They understand the context of their region. Reaching Fredericksburg is different than reaching the region around Journey. Uh, Reaching the west side is different than reaching the demographic footprint around Crown Ridge. They understand the unique context of their neighborhoods and then this is the time to do it a multi-site strategy depends primarily on one or two primary communicators and as I'm getting older it seemed to make sense that as I move into semi-retirement that we release and empower the leaders within those campuses to become senior leaders to become the lead minister on each of those campuses like we've done on each one of them like we've done here at Crown Ridge with Travis Eads and I'm happy to report after a few months in we're seeing great progress there's a sense of excitement and enthusiasm for which we are very very grateful I hope you can sense it and also I hope you know how much I appreciate the encouragement that you're giving to Travis and Alicia as they assume this role of of lead minister on the Crown Ridge campus I began my preaching ministry in a congregation of 50 people Can you imagine beginning your preaching ministry in a congregation of over 5,000? It's quite a challenge that Travis has taken on. He'll be bringing many of the messages this winter and spring. Thank you for your encouragement. We're so proud of him. Keep praying for him, standing with him, and we're thanking God for him and his wonderful family. Now as we move into 2019, anticipating the potential return of Christ in 2020, I want to give you one big challenge, and that is this. Help Oak Hills become less a clubhouse and more a lighthouse. Less a clubhouse and more a lighthouse. Do you know the difference between a clubhouse and a lighthouse? When I was seven years old, my big brother and I turned my father's workshop into a clubhouse. We had a club. Not just anybody could be in this club. It was for a few elite people. You had to, number one, be a boy. You had to, number two, live on our street, Alamosa Street. You had to like baseball collect baseball cards, you had to know the secret handshake, and you had to not like girls. (laughs) I think our dues were a nickel a month. I can't 
quite recall. But our club existed not to have everybody come in, but really to keep certain people out. We wanted people who were just like us. You know, many churches after some time begin to feel a lot like clubs. They exist to serve the insiders. They actually begin to repel outsiders. They exist to to entertain or or to cater to or to, to prop up. Uh, the people who have been around a long time. How many of you know that Jesus did not die on the cross to start a club? He did not. He lived 33 years on this earth, showing us how he wants the body of Christ to behave. He threw the doors wide open. Racism couldn't keep him from the Samaritan woman. Demons couldn't keep him from the the demon-possessed man. He had a Facebook page that had the likes of a Ponzi meister by the name of Zacchaeus and a tax collector by the name of Matthew. He made room for people. He made room for all types, all sorts. And he left an invitation for those who follow him to do likewise. He said, you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then in all of Judea, then Samaria, and then to the other most parts of the world. That circle just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that when he returns, whether it be in 2020 or some other year, he will collect for him a family that represents every tribe, every people, all nations. This is his dream. Clubhouse? No. Lighthouse? How many of you know what a lighthouse does? A lighthouse exists for one reason, and that is to send the light. That's all it does. Every brick, every stair, every window, every lens, every light bulb, Everything about a lighthouse exists to send a light. And it sends not just a light, but did you know it sends an indiscriminate light? If you're out in the dark and if you're in a stormy time, it doesn't matter if you're a domestic vessel or a foreign vessel. It doesn't matter if you're a yacht or a dinghy. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you're rusty. The light goes to anyone who needs it for the purpose of helping that vessel Find the shore. Every church has to continually ask itself the question, are we still a lighthouse or are we becoming a clubhouse? Would you pray that Oak Hills can be a lighthouse, that a place where anybody with any problem, with any challenge, with any struggle will find this to be a safe place to find light? Will you continue to reach out to those who need help, who need encouragement. Will you continue to be the kind of people that you already are? I think we have the right plan, and that's planting churches. But you know, the right plan doesn't matter unless we have the right heart, which takes us to the second and final question, and that is how does the imminent return of Christ impact your life? Thinking that Christ could return before the end of 2020 How does that impact the way you live? Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. 
So if you knew for sure that Christ was returning in 2020, what would you do in 2019? If you knew that 2020 was the end of the world as we know it, how would that impact the way you manage your time, your talent, your treasures? Some of you may recall a song, a country western song that came out in the year 2004. Tim McGraw related the story of a man who discovered that the end was coming. And the name of the song is Live Like You Were Dying. Does anybody remember this song? Okay, I'm not going to sing it, but I am going to read a verse. <laughs> Knowing he had only a few days to live, this man went skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. He went 2.7 seconds on a bull name. Fu Manchu. Some of you got it. He loved deeper, spoke sweeter, and gave forgiveness he had been denying. He had a chance to live like he was dying. You know, when you know the end is near, it focuses your life knowing that the end may be near how will it change your focus somebody should write a song called live like Christ is coming because he is going to do exactly that so the question is what can you do in 2019 that you will be glad you did when Christ returns what can you do in 2019 that you'll be so glad you did when Christ returns can I urge you to do at least this receive so you can give a biblical principle is this you cannot give what you've never received and sometimes in church work we forget to urge people to receive so they can give but you can't give if you're not received Jesus said the person who's forgiven only a little will love only a little so if you're having a hard time giving forgiveness, it might be because you're not receiving forgiveness. If you're having a hard time giving love, it might be because you're not allowing your heart to receive love. If it's hard for you to be kind to others, begin by receiving the kindness of Christ. Right now, even now, folks, I sense in my heart the Holy Spirit saying, there are some people here who have never let me love them. Some of the busiest, hardworking people in the church but they have never let me love them. Does that describe you? Let your first resolve of this year not be something you do, but something you receive. You receive the love of Christ. The Apostle Paul said, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. You can have the greatest tree in the world, but that tree won't do any good if it's not rooted in healthy, nutrition-rich soil. This is the time of the year when all of us, hopefully, if not most of us, have taken our Christmas trees down. We used to use a real Christmas tree. Now we go the fake route. We almost went back to a Anyway, we, we're still with the fake tree. But when we used to use the real tree, what struck me is that when we would take the tree down, all of the needles would fall off. They were dry and crusty. And I was reminded that if you don't have a tree rooted in healthy soil, it cannot bear good leaves. How true with trees, how even more true with people. If you're not rooted down in the love of God, how can you bear good fruit? You cannot give 
what you've never received. Would you right now let God love you for just a moment? How do you do that, Max? Well, I don't know. You just let him love you. You just trust. You just believe. You just remove that deflector shield. You take away those excuses. You quit seeing yourself as an exception to the rule. You quit thinking God loves everybody but me. Listen to me. He would leave the 99 sheep and come after you. He loves you that much. Oh, let him love you. And you'll find that as you let him love you, you'll find it easier, not always easy, but easier to love other people. You'll find it easier to forgive people. You'll find it easier to be kind and patient and tolerant of others when you remember how God is kind and patient and tolerant with you. Receive his love so you can give it. If Christ does return in 2020, you'll be so glad you used 2019 as the year to receive his love so you could give it. When Christ returns, I don't think any of us would look back on 2019 and say, Oh my, I'm so glad I worked more hours. I'm so glad I got more money. I'm so glad I went into more debt. But I do think we would look back on the year and say, I'm so glad that I loved my family. I'm so glad that I cared for my children. I'm so glad I reached out to my neighbors. I'm so glad I befriended the new person at the office. I'm so glad. What can you do in 2019 that you'll be so glad you did when Christ returns? Don't be rootless. Let your roots go down deep into the love of God. You know what? You're not going to regret anything you do for others out of God's love for you. Some of you World War II buffs will recall the story of Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler was a scoundrel. He was a womanizer. He drank heavy. He was a member of the Nazi party. But curiously, this troublemaker had a soft spot in his heart for the persecuted Jews of Krakow, Poland. And he set out to save as many of them as he could. And he succeeded. When the war finally ended and the Nazis went into hiding, now it was Oscar Schindler's turn to be persecuted. And so he was escaping in the night to, to, to go into hiding. And if you saw the movie by the same name, you'll recall how he left his factory. And on the way, walking from his factory to his car, he was surprised to see on both sides of the path, a throng of Jewish men and women whom he had rescued. And one by one, they stopped him and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then they handed him a letter signed personally by each one of them saying, thank you. You know, when Christ comes, there's going to be a lot of people saying thank you to you. Those of you who are loving your family, your family's going to say thank you. Now, those of you who are, who are patient with people who are hard to get along with, they're going to say thank you. Those of you who are showing up at work, being responsible, your boss, your friends, your coworkers, they're going to say thank you. Those of you who are teaching classes at church or working with the children or the young people, those of you who are working in the host ministry, those of you who are faithful tithers and givers, those of you who are supporting the expansion of the kingdom, on that day, that great day, they're going to say thank you. 
Why don't you live like Christ is coming? Live with the end in mind. On one of his expeditions to Antarctica, Sir Ernest Shackleton had to leave some of his men on an island called Elephant Island with the promise that he would return and rescue them and take them back to England. His return was delayed by weather. And then finally, when the weather permitted, it took him some time to find passageway through the ice. But he finally succeeded. And when he saw the men on the island on the snowy shore, he was surprised to see that they were standing there waiting on him like they knew he was coming. They boarded ship and headed to England. And one of the first questions he asked was, how did you know to be ready for my return? And one of them said, well, our leader every morning would roll up his sleeping bag and pack up his tent and say, boys, get ready. The boss may be coming today. Church, get ready. Christ may be coming today. The return of Christ is far more guaranteed than the return of Ernest Shackleton. We do not know when he's returning. But wise are the ones who live like Christ is coming. Again, Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Let's be glad together. Let's join our hearts in this great and noble work that God has given to us. As a church, let's serve like Christ is coming. As individuals, let's live like Christ is coming. For the truth of the matter is, He is. And it's going to be very soon. Amen. Lord, we thank You for the promise of Your return. For Lord, there's parts of this world that are just really beginning to stink. So much violence, so much racism, so much hostility heavenly father let your mercy please be upon this earth but do not tarry come soon father and inaugurate your new kingdom through christ we pray and all the church said